Daniel Ricciardo leads McLaren to its first 1-2 finish in 11 years after Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton smash at the Italian Grand Prix. This is the F1 Strategy Report. My name's Michael Laminato and welcome to Round 14, the Italian Grand Prix, the Apex Race Manager, the mobile race management simulator, downloaded for free on iOS and Android devices. If you had been bold enough to bet on McLaren winning a normal race in 2021, you almost certainly wouldn't have put your money on Daniel Ricciardo after his underwhelming start to the season. But since the mid-season break, Ricciardo has come back to life, and in Monza he was quick in qualifying, promoted to the front row after the sprint race, and from there seized the lead from Max Verstappen at Turn 1 and controlled the Grand Prix. It might be tempting to think his win was made by Verstappen and Hamilton's crunching crash on lap 26, but the lap times tell a different story. Ricardo and McLaren had already done enough to keep ahead after the stops, and there was little reason to think the Dutchman would have any easier time getting past in the second half of the race. This was all about execution, and on a day that Red Bull Racing and Mercedes fumbled in the pit lane, McLaren was flawless to score a meritorious 1-2 victory. To explain how Daniel Ricciardo and McLaren broke their victory droughts, I'm joined by Luca Manacorda, F1 journalist from Motorbox.com. Luca, how are you doing? Hey, ciao Michael and hi everybody. I'm very fine and I'm very excited for what we have seen yesterday here. We're very lucky, Luca. I feel like every time you're on, we seem to get a good Italian <laughs> Grand Prix. So I'm glad we could keep this streak going for this weekend because, I mean, what a way for... First of all, to have, a let's say, a midfield team win a race, because we have had a couple of them already in the last 12 months. But for McLaren to win its first race in such a long time, what an interesting way for them to have got it done. Yeah, uh, last year we, we saw Pierre Gasly reach his first victory in mm. Formula 1, a great story of a comeback for this driver. And this year we have a, the great comeback for an historic team in Formula 1. So McLaren won two first time uh, since... Uh, 2010. I think it's a good thing for Formula One because uh, Formula One needs uh, to to have the his historic team uh, at the highest level possible. So I'm happy for for them and happy for for Daniel and Lando for this uh, result. It was great to see Daniel and Lando were so happy afterwards as well. Especially, of course, Daniel Ricciardo having had such a, a difficult year so far. Really, not to the expectations that we thought he could lead this team when he arrived at McLaren. Just before we talk about some of the other parts of this race, because yes, we will talk about the crash. Of course, we're going to talk <laughs> about the crash. But do you think there's a reason in particular the McLaren seemed to suit this track so well? I mean, we know it's a power track. They've got the Mercedes engine, good traction car. But were you surprised to see McLaren so competitive here this weekend? I was expecting a great uh, performance by them because uh, we saw during the, the year that uh, McLaren has a, a good car in uh, all circuits, but especially in the high-speed circuit. So I'm uh, waiting for this result. Not uh, Obviously not a, a win, but maybe a podium. Uh, I thought was uh, probably a result for them also before the race. And finally, they managed to get it. We've seen so many midfield teams managed to get good results and finally McLaren, a team on the up gets their result as well. But we'll come back to Daniel Ricciardo and McLaren a little bit later on because I think that we should get the big well, the second big topic I guess of this race out of the way. McLaren was a big topic but of course for the championship it was that crash between Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton. We'll talk about the strategy that led to them coming together on the track in a second but I do just want to talk about the crash on its own it's the second time we've seen them um, crash and have at least one car go out of the race this year of course they've come very close in other times this season even on lap one here they got very close as well 
Let's just talk about that for a second. What did you make of that crash? Do you think the stewards got it right with Max Verstappen? Do you think that they should have done more to try and avoid crashing here? It's another very difficult situation to evaluate it, but uh, I think that at the end, uh, it's real that uh, Max has more to blame because uh, as somebody has has talked about, uh, uh, like Demonil, maybe Max in that moment realized that uh, he has uh, no more chance to pass uh, Lewis and so decided to take it the highest risk uh, way to, to approach the turn one. At the beginning of the of the turn one, uh, maybe uh, Lewis has been uh, a little bit too many aggressive. But after that, the, the reaction of Max of uh, at this uh, situation and has been also more to blame, uh, I think. So I think the steward have uh, taken the right decision. And I'm, I'm sort of interested in that because a lot, some people have said, haven't they, the idea that maybe Max did it on purpose, not necessarily to take Lewis Hamilton out of the race, but he did it on purpose perhaps because he knew, like you said, he wouldn't be able to pass him. If Lewis got ahead of him, the straight line speed difference between the Mercedes and the Red Bull was going to be too much for him. I mean, he couldn't even pass Daniel Ricciardo at the start of the race, for example, in the McLaren. At the end of this weekend, and of course we had the sprint, which we'll talk about in a second, and of course Mercedes looked very good in qualifying. They looked fast in the sprint, even though Lewis Hamilton didn't have a good start, and then Hamilton couldn't finish this race. Who do you think will leave Monza feeling like they won in the championship terms between Red Bull and Mercedes? Do you think Red Bull actually came away from this weekend better than they could have expected? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. This uh, Monza was a, a, a Mercedes track, so at the end we have uh, Verstappen with uh, two points uh, more, two points more respect uh, Lewis. So it is uh, a victory for uh, for Red Bull and uh, for uh, for Max. I think they are happy with the with the result of the weekend. Uh, even if uh, we have seen this uh, big crash, this very dangerous crash, especially. Yeah, and we're all very thankful, of course, that the the halo is on the cars because yeah. we've all seen the photos, the slow motion video, really frightening crash. So, of course, everyone's happy that everyone's walked away from that one. Max walked away very quickly from that one. Actually, didn't didn't really go and say hello or anything to Lewis after that, but. That'll be something to discuss for the next couple of weekends. I want to go back to qualifying, though, because you mentioned it there. This was always going to be a Mercedes track. It's all about straight line speed, all about engine performance, uh, which is something, of course, we know the Mercedes is historically very good at. They're also better this season at taking downforce off the car than Red Bull Racing is. So that all played into their favor. But I want to talk about qualifying specifically, because, of course, we yes, Mercedes got pole with Valtteri Bottas, Lewis Hamilton second, but... It's something we see every year in Monza, isn't it? That Especially in Q2 and Q3, this rush to get the slipstream out of pit lane. And sometimes we see it in the pit lane, sometimes we see it just before Parabolica on the back straight, everyone trying to slow down to try and get the best position on the track. And it's usually dangerous when it's on the track. This year, though, they almost ran over a, a mechanic from Aston Martin and then another one from, from Alpine. Uh, when there was al- it was almost a crash in the pit lane as well between the Aston Martin drivers and Lewis Hamilton and Fernando Alonso, I think it was, or Esteban Ocon. I mean, the slipstream we know is very powerful here, isn't it? Is there anything we should be doing? Do, do we need to look at format changes? I mean, we did have a format change this weekend, of course, didn't we, with sprint races. Does does qualifying at Monza need to change, do you think, to avoid this? Yeah, it could be a good thing because uh, this year we, uh, we have a strange situation because uh, Bottas know, know that uh, he had to, to start... Uh, 
from the back of the grid. So in the Q3, he goes uh, for the for first in uh, position in on track. His decision uh, uh, resolved this this uh, problem. But as we have seen in Q2, the, the problem remains. So especially for Monza, I think that they have to think something about to, to resolve this uh, potentially dangerous situation. It will be interesting to see because we are in a, a time where we're talking about format changes, aren't we? And this weekend, of course, we had the sprint, the second of three. We'll have another one in, in Brazil, probably. That's the plan anyway. And it's hard to know what people think about the sprint, I think. It's not universally popular but it's also not universally unpopular i think people can see the reason for it and the race wasn't the sprint race this weekend wasn't super exciting but it did definitely have an effect on the grand prix on sunday because it changed the grid a little bit what do you think of the sprint so far the effect it's had in in monza as well and even in silverstone a, a little while ago do you think this is the right way for formula one to go do you think it had enough of an effect on the weekend overall to to keep trying to use it I admit that I'm not a great fan of uh, sprint this format uh, with sprint qualifying. Uh, the good thing, I think, the the best thing that it added is that uh, it adds excitement to the Friday because mm-hmm. uh, Friday now we have the qualifying, the qualifying, so is a uh, a lot better than uh, the normal Friday. But that's the sprint race, the sprint qualifying in se- itself. Uh, it's not a great show, and um, I really don't like it because um, it ruins the, the pathos for the Sunday race a little bit. So um, I don't like it, but uh, I know that this is the way that uh, FIA and Liberty Media want to to follow for the next year. We probably seven races with this format, so mm. that's all. <laughs> we have to <laughs> to take it. <laughs> Do you think it would be better if it was not not qualifying, if it was just a regular race? Do you think that's that would make a better weekend overall? Because, I mean, that way potentially we have, a, you know, some interesting racing on Saturday. Maybe we learn a little bit about how the cars will race on Sunday. But you don't have to worry about it setting the grid. Or is it, I mean, I don't know. I'm sort of a little bit 50-50 on it as well. I think it, it has value. You know, it does add, like you said, more action over the course of the weekend. But I wonder whether the plan is really just in the long term to make it not qualifying and just make it its its own sprint race that doesn't affect anything. I'm still a fan of the old uh, format <laughs> of the, the weekend with uh, qualifying on Friday and on, on Saturday. All the other solutions, maybe a reverse grid or something like this, they are a solution if they want to follow something more exciting for the show. But for the sport itself, they are not the better for me. We can see also this year, maybe maybe this year the championship could be decided by the points that Max uh, earned and win in spring qualifying. So I, I'm not con- convinced at all. It is ironic, isn't it, that we try it this year when the championship's very exciting. You know, who would have maybe we needed sprint racing in some of the worst years. But anyway, it's a debate for, you know, the rest of the season and we'll see what the sport decides for next year. But uh, I think there'll definitely be more work to do. The effect of the sprint race, though, this weekend was that it looked like Mercedes had everything under control after qualifying. Front row of the grid, yes, Bottas, like you said, was going to start at the back, but... 
you know, they took that grid place penalty, assuming that Lewis Hamilton would be able to control the race from the front anyway. But of course, he dropped to sixth in the sprint race. He got one place back after Gasly crashed, and then obviously got another place back when Bottas took the penalty. But Verstappen inherited pole position. Incredibly, Max Verstappen from Red Bull. They weren't meant to go well here, but he started on pole. And Daniel Ricciardo alongside him on the front row. Daniel got the lead in the first turn. And that meant the field stayed condensed because obviously the McLaren is not as fast as the Red Bull. What I'm interested, though, in here is this first stint because Max Verstappen couldn't get past, which wasn't a surprise because of the the straight line speed difference. But I was surprised that he stayed so close to Daniel because this ruined his tyres, didn't it? And that really cost me the pit stop. But... Were you surprised? Normally we see drivers at this point, you know, they, they go back a little bit, they cool down the tyres, they charge up the battery, and they, they stay a little bit of a distance away and then manage the pit stops. Were you surprised that, that Max didn't seem to go for that strategy, that he, he stayed within about a second of Ricardo for the entire first stint? Yeah, it was not the usual things that we, we saw in these situations, but um, Monza is not so demanding for the tyres even if we saw that the tires got uh, damaged during the laps. Mm-hmm. Max uh, stay a little bit too near to Daniel, but um, in the end we have to consider also that uh, he was racing, uh, thinking about the championship, and uh, he wanted to, to have a good uh, advantage over uh, Lewis to stay short at least at the second position. The ironic thing is that uh, we have had to so two slow pit stops to see Max and Lewis against uh, each other. It's really interesting because this was really where the race was decided. I know we can say the crash had an influence on the race and that's partly true, but this first stint was everything for McLaren winning the Grand Prix because Verstappen used the best of his tyres. They both started on the medium tyre. That was sort of the default normal strategy for almost everyone in the field, except for Mercedes. We'll talk about them in just a second. And it's interesting to wonder whether or not Red Bull and Verstappen either underestimated how long they were going to get caught behind Daniel Ricciardo or underestimated how much damage the tyres were going to take. Because we saw when the pit stop came around, first of all, McLaren undercut Red Bull. They didn't allow Red Bull to pit first. They made sure that that Verstappen wouldn't have the undercut because we know it's relatively strong at Monza. But when Verstappen then had that in-lap to push, he was told by his engineers to, to go as fast as he could, essentially, to try and counter the undercut. There was just no pace. In fact, he was slower than Ricardo on his in-lap. There was absolutely no performance in the car. This is where the race was won and lost. But it was just surprising to me that Red Bull didn't seem to expect that. They didn't see that coming and that there was no pace in that car. I feel like that's almost the first time we've seen that kind of thing happen with them. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Probably it was, this was a little mistake by them. Uh, and I think this, this is one of the conditions uh, uh, that the fight for the championship uh, have uh, over um, Red Bull and Mercedes. So this year we, we saw them often not perfectly with the strategy. And maybe it's because the stress for this fight is very high. I think that's definitely going to play a role. It's crazy to think there are only eight races left now. Such a long year, but we're getting towards the finish and every race is going to be more pressure, isn't there? But that was, I mean, if you look at the numbers of the lap times, Daniel Ricciardo almost certainly would have kept the lead, even had Max Verstappen had a normal pit stop. He didn't have a normal pit stop, of course. (laughs) It was more than 11 seconds. I mean, that's very slow for Red Bull. They were the fastest. They're normally the fastest in the pit stops, aren't they? They're, they're normally the, the benchmark and setting the records and winning 
the sponsor trophy at the end of the year from <laughs> DHL for passes passes pit stop. I'm sure they they really like them, um, but it's interesting because there are new rules now, aren't they, around pit stops designed to slow down teams that are a little bit too fast, really designed to slow down Red Bull Racing. Is this the first time we're, we're seeing these actually have an effect? They weren't designed to make them go for 11 seconds, of course, the rules, but it seems like there was problems that Red Bull doesn't normally have in this pit stop. Yeah, yeah. For, uh, yesterday, for a second, I thought that uh, we have seen uh, another uh, drama like Bottas in Monte Carlo. Yeah. <laughs> the, <laughs> the wheel blocked. And uh, yeah, it's probably the first time that we see a problem like this in uh, for Red Bull. And it could be for the new rules and also for the for the stress, for, for, for the pressure for the championship. And this episode was the key for what uh, we'll see a little bit later. I think it's interesting as well, and this was a good race to talk about it, because you know, if this came down to the way the rules have changed for pit stops, and it seems like it was a system on the wheel gun, perhaps, that they struggled with because they're not allowed to preempt the wheel being, being locked onto the axle. Uh, but it's interesting because it seems like Red Bull... Okay, they're, they're championship contenders this year, but... They haven't played the political game that well. I go back to Silverstone, for example, after that crash. The way Red Bull responded, uh, people, it didn't make them very popular in the paddock or even in the public, the way that they were shouting about the way that Lewis Hamilton won that race and that the, the penalty wasn't strict enough. And they sort of embarrassed themselves with the appeal a little bit. They also had the 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 technical rules around the the front wings flexing too much. They lost that argument. Then the pit lane argument came against them. The pit stop argument came against them as well. That's sort of designed to slow down their pit stops. Not specifically their ones, but they're of course the fastest team. It it feels like Red Bull is not playing the political game that well. Do you get that sense as well? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And uh, we saw maybe we saw also this uh, when um, Perez overtake uh, Leclerc, and they say they didn't check the situation if uh, Checo had to give back the position to to Charles, and then uh, we have the, they have the penalty. So about the incident, Alex Schoelin, the Mercedes, say that they knew that Max was at fault because usually they always blame Lewis and in this case they didn't do it. So this was clear for him that they know that Max was at fault. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. I mean, we talk about the championship is so close. Every point counts. Maybe the sprint race points counts. Maybe fastest lap points will count. You know, points you lose in the stewards' room or, you know, wherever with technical regulation changes, the technical directives, things like this, they all will count this year because it's going to be close right to the end of the year. So there's an interesting extra dimension. The 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 strategy of the political game is interesting in this one. But let's get back to the, the track and, and what was happening around this crash because, you know, Verstappen had that very slow stop. Shouldn't have been near anyone competitive at that point. Shouldn't have been near Lewis Hamilton. But Mercedes saw that if they stopped Hamilton earlier than expected, because Hamilton started on the hard tyre, he was doing the opposite strategy, that he could emerge in front of Max Verstappen. And then at least he'd be in front of Verstappen and they could deal with the race after that, even if the tyres were going to struggle near the end. But then even Mercedes had a slow pit stop. And I do feel like we're seeing more mistakes from Mercedes this year. Smaller mistakes, but still more mistakes. In a sense, I guess we should be blaming the pit team for for causing this crash a little bit, aren't we? Because he should have been well ahead of Verstappen otherwise. Yeah, uh, this year um, we saw often Mercedes doing some mistakes. 
in this case they throw away the present the Red Bull give to them with the, their pit stop and with this uh, pit stop we've seen another moment that we remember for the years yeah yes another great photo for the yearbook <laughs> this year absolutely yeah uh, I mean, it would have been interesting, I suppose, to see how this strategy would have worked out because we saw Valtteri Bottas on the same strategy, and we'll talk about him in just a second. But it really was committing to the idea that no one would be able to pass Lewis Hamilton, even if his tyres got older, which they would have because he was stopping much earlier than his strategy originally planned. Was there opportunity still there for Lewis Hamilton to win, do you think, at this point? Or was this the moment that not Red Bull and not Mercedes were going to win the race. The second one, I think, because probably without the incident, uh, we, we have a normal pit stop for Mercedes. Uh, we have seen uh, Ricciardo first and probably Lewis second. Even if uh, Lando Norris was not so distant from uh, Lewis, so, but I, I'm almost sure that uh, Lewis couldn't win this race, even with a normal pit stop. Probably a second place that in the end it was a lot better than the, the result that, that we had. It was interesting as well, isn't it? Because if we compare him to Valtteri Bottas, for example, and Bottas, Bottas had one of his best weekends in a long time. Maybe they should have sacked him earlier and he would have had better races earlier in the year. Well, he hasn't been that bad this year. Maybe that's that's too mean. But he did have a very good race this weekend. That's definitely true. Good weekend overall, in fact, even uh, despite the penalty that sent him to the back. He passed a lot of cars. In fact, he passed 10 cars in the first stint got into the points, then the safety car for the Hamilton-Verstappen crash meant he didn't have to lose any places for his only pit stop of the race. And he looked pretty quick in the second half of the race, but not for the first time. When you, you're trying to get into the top five or six, getting past drivers is hard. I, I remember, was he last year, wasn't it, in Monza or the year before, where both Verstappen and Albon couldn't make any passes through the field. It's, it's quite difficult to, to pass through the top six. But I still wonder, you know, was this the most on the cards for Valtteri Bottas, a podium from the back of the grid? How do we read that? Was that just because of the safety car? Obviously, that helped a lot. But did that Mercedes have the pace to get there anyway? Because at certain points in this race, he was the fastest driver on the track comfortably. Yeah, uh, Valtteri easily overtakes a lot of drivers in the first uh, laps. And this was a little bit surprising after what uh, we've seen uh, on Saturday. Mm -hmm. I think that without the safety car, uh, he could reach um, maybe the fourth, uh, fifth position because uh, McLaren and Perez uh, were too fast for him, as we've seen in the last lap. I think that the safety car helped a little bit uh, Valtteri. <laughs> Checo helped a little bit Valtteri with uh, his overtake on Leclerc. And at the end, the weekend of uh, Bottas was uh, probably the best of this year. And, but the, the the funny things is that uh, it was the fastest on Friday, but uh, that was not a pole position. Saturday, he won the qualifying race, but uh, he didn't gain the first position on the grid because he had to start from the back of the grid. So... It's a little bit the uh, picture of the years of uh, Valtteri Mercedes. Good races, <laughs> but even not the best result that uh, he could reach in that situation. 
Yeah, I think that is a fair summary, actually. I think that's quite good. All right, the second half of the race was a little bit more straightforward than the first half of the race because, of course, we had Verstappen and Hamilton out. But Ricciardo was in the lead ahead of Lando Norris after Norris passed Leclerc, of course, off the track as well on the grass. Very uh, courageous pass, I suppose. Perez and Bottas got through as well. That was the top four. But they, no one could pass at this point. It was too difficult for anyone to try and pass, but they're all very close to one another. And this is what we tend to see at Monza, isn't it? We get the DRS or the slipstream train, and that means that sort of no one can pass one another because everyone is getting the benefit of the slipstream altogether. But I thought it was interesting nonetheless that, of course, we heard Lando Norris get on the radio, suggest that Daniel Ricciardo wasn't going fast enough. I mean, every driver wants to lead the race, right? Every driver wants to be in front. They want to be. They want an opportunity to win the race, of course. Lando Norris is, is, is yet to win a Grand Prix. Do you think there was any risk that McLaren would consider swapping its drivers at this point? We know Ricardo had the performance in the end anyway. He was controlling his pace. But, I mean, do you think he was serious there? Uh, in the first laps uh, after the safety car, it, it seems that, that this was a possibility for McLaren. But also it was too risky because they had uh, three, four cars behind. So the better things was... As we said, uh, the Norris engineer at the moment, the best situation for us is this, when Lando was uh, at uh, one second from uh, Daniel. Everything works in the better way for McLaren at the end. Exactly right. And it's difficult as well. I mean, team orders are always difficult to make happen on the track. But when you're being followed by two faster cars, there is always a risk there. Uh, that's how they finished in the end the top four there was no change of position Valtteri Bottas tried to get past Sergio Perez but he couldn't make it stick in the end although of course he got promoted to third after Perez served the penalty as we mentioned and that was the end of a a really interesting Italian Grand Prix obviously no one could have predicted McLaren and Daniel Ricciardo would have won but there were some interesting sub stories there in how McLaren could essentially outsmart Red Bull Racing and how the pressure might be getting to Red Bull and Mercedes. And I'll ask you one more question, Luca, before I let you go. We've only got eight races left, probably anyway. We've probably got eight races left on the calendar. We won't know until we finish, I guess. How do you think this is going to unfold? We know the tension between Mercedes and Red Bull is very high now. Uh, It's getting higher every race, pretty much. How do you think that's going to affect the next few races? Uh, it's probably, it's probably. I, I'm not sure that it, that uh, yesterday we have seen the last incident between uh, Lewis and Max, and uh, probably so we, we can see another race with uh, a, a strange podium. And uh, <laughs> I hope that it will be the good chance for Ferrari because <laughs> we have seen uh, on the first position Alfa Tauri. Alpine, McLaren, <laughs> uh, Racing Point. Uh, <laughs> it's, that, it's the turn of Ferrari now, so we can wait uh, too much. <laughs> so I hope so. We can. It's, a, it's a drama for Ferrari. <laughs> because also the, the ironic things of this weekend is that Ferrari uh, has made a, a good reserve for his car on this fast track. Mm. But at the end, they lost the third position because McLaren is taking all the points possible <laughs> from the race. We in second place, uh, fastest lap. So it's been a, a worse weekend for Ferrari <laughs> at the end. So <laughs> it's very ironic. And uh, I hope for them that they will reach a victory before the end of the season in another crazy race. Yes. I liked last year we said, you know, Ferrari had a terrible race last yeah. year. But we said it was lucky because there were no fans in the stands <laughs> because of COVID. 
This year, there were only half fans, though, and they got a little bit better. So maybe when there are more fans again, they'll be back to their best. Who knows? <laughs> exactly. We don't have to forget that Ferrari has a big role in uh, uh, passion for Formula 1 in, uh, in Italy. When Ferrari goes good, uh, the TV audience and the people at Monza or in the other Italian circuits are higher than when Ferrari has a bad season. So it's important for, for, for everybody that Ferrari... <laughs> goes fastest <laughs> it's good for everyone it is good for everyone luca this race was good for everyone the italian grand prix was good for formula one good for daniel ricardo and mclaren especially it was a pleasure to talk about it with you thanks so much for joining me it's always a pleasure michael thank you and uh goodbye everybody <laughs> to, to to be here again next year maybe talking about a ferrari victory <laughs> <laughs> McLaren's trajectory since its low Honda and post-Honda years is undeniable, and the structure put in place by Zac Brown and Andreas Seidel is paying big dividends. This is still the third best car, and the occasional podium is still the most to be hoped for for most races this season, but it'll be really interesting to see where this historic team ends up under new rules next year. Thanks very much to Luca for joining me. The Strategy Report is powered by Apex Race Manager, the mobile race management simulator. Download Apex Race Manager for free on iOS and Android devices. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report with Google, Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app to ensure you never miss an episode. And if you like the show, please leave us a rating and a review to help spread the word. You can also find us on social media. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast. Special thanks to Ben Loke from Bloke Designs for the show artwork, and our theme music is by Simon Hosford. My name's Michael Aminato, and I'll catch you next week to preview the Russian Grand Prix.